Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jance. My guest today is Douglas Hubbard. He is, we've got an inventor of sorts here, uh, invented the Applied Information Economics Method. Uh, he's also the author of previously number one bestseller on Amazon, How to Measure Anything. And we're going to talk about today a book that I think, uh, while it may very well be categorized as an economic uh, type of read or maybe even a statistical type of read, uh, I think it's a kind of information, deeper information that we as marketers uh, certainly need to understand whether whether or not we ever get into R-squared calculations. Uh, the book is called Pulse, The New Science of Harnessing Internet Buzz to Track Threats and Opportunities. So, uh, Doug, thanks for joining me. Yeah, uh, uh, thanks for having me. I uh, I should clarify that my first book, How to Measure Anything, was the number one bestseller on Amazon's Math for Business category. Gotcha. Uh, but uh, it, it's been that way for four years. Yeah. So uh, that's so I'll take that. Too. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, number one on Amazon would be great. That's yeah. Harry Potter world. But, <laughs> that's true. Um, but I'll take what I can get. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of did give a heads up that we weren't going to necessarily go into, uh, you know, correlation uh, data, you know, applied information economics. Uh, you know, uh, you and I were talking a little offline that, that that's certainly your um, science and, and economics world. But, uh, you know, how can how can we take just a, a, a sort of broad reaching statement and make that uh, something that, that would get the small business owner or the or the marketer interested in, in why this stuff matters? Yeah, you know, I guess I would uh, categorize sort of popular economics, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, text, sort of like you, your readers might be familiar with, say, Freakonomics right, or things right. like that. And so uh, there is a good quantitative foundation for what I write about. I cite the work of other researchers quite a lot, and I talk about what it means. But what I'm really trying to do is explain what I think are are some pretty interesting phenomena that have arisen just over the last couple of years mm -hmm. about how the Internet and our behavior uh, on both social media and how we search for things with Google has started to become a leading indicator of a lot of interesting trends in the economy, uh, as well as public health and terrorism and... Uh, uh, anything else we want to know about human behavior? Yeah, I, I, th I think definitely. I mean, obviously, I, I live in this little world where the marketers are talking about, you know, how do we generate more leads and, you know, do all social media, you know, for all these tools. But there's, there's clearly in, in the news, you know, headlines, you know, uh, almost every day about uh, how social behavior, perhaps, that has been now sort of magnified by the use of these tools. I mean, is uh, you know, there's certainly we can argue about whether or not it's true, but I mean, there's certainly people have made the case that, that it's some of what you see going on in the Middle East in terms of, uh, you know, some of the rebellion that's going on in some of those countries uh, is, is really being enabled by social media. Yeah, sure. In fact, um, uh, what I write about in the book too, is that, you know, you've got such a large percentage of people now in the world that are participating in some way, right. not just in the developed world, but the developing world. Um, you've got about 2 billion people on the Internet now, and about two-thirds of the adult population of the planet uses mobile phones. Yeah. This is remarkable. There, there has been no other phenomenon that has spread so fast through the human civilization, whether it was an epidemic, a war, a philosophy, a religion, uh, a business. It doesn't matter. 
this is the fastest growing, most significant phenomenon uh, ever. And there, I thought there was always one unexplored aspect of this, uh, something that hadn't been talked about much uh, in the media. Although there's an explosion of academic research activity on this point. Uh, and the idea is that there's enough of us leaving our digital footprints on the Internet in some form or another in a way that's publicly accessible to anyone, that if we knew how to data mine that and analyze these billions of data points, uh, we could make some very interesting forecasts about things that are going on in the world. Uh, it would almost, I, I use the analogy in the book of it being something like having the first satellite photo of a hurricane. If you'd never seen that before, if you didn't yeah. know the pattern, right. and you for the first time saw that, you'd say, this is remarkable. We've got this fascinating new tool, these satellites in orbit that can see the big picture. Well, now we have a big picture satellite view of sorts for human behavior that we've never had. The only way we could have replicated this is for, say, a small business or a marketer to have something like their own Gallup poll run every day yeah. on a variety of issues, and it wouldn't have been economically feasible. Right. Um, and even if they did try to do that, if they tried to use other standardized reporting methods or government reports, those actually have their own sources of error. And in many cases, researchers have found that following this uh, meta-pulse, this uh, pulse of our digital activities on the Internet, actually outperforms traditional polling methods and government forecasts when it comes to estimating future events. Well, and, and certainly, I mean, you know, some of the some of those really big, large studies that the government has done, I mean, they might be two years old by the time you get the results, too. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I talk about one example of tracking unemployment rate. Right. A very simple example that your listeners could, yeah. you know, experiment with even at, during our conversation here. Uh, you just go to Google Trends. I don't know if you're familiar with that tool, but sure. very useful tool. Go to Google and uh, type in Google, Google Trends or mm -hmm. Google.com slash trends and type in the word unemployment. Now, that'll show the frequency of use of the word unemployment on Google searches over the, the last uh, seven years. Uh, people use that search if they're looking for their unemployment benefits, you know, where's the local unemployment office. So these sorts of things are things that people might search on if not only if they're unemployed, but if they think they will be unemployed, mm -hmm. right? So I compared this to the actual uh, survey that the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, executes every month of 60,000 households. And how quickly does that data come out? Yes. When the Bureau of Labor Statistics is sampling these 60,000 households, they're sampling during a one-week period in the middle of a month. They mm -hmm. call it the reference week. Mm -hmm. And they re reveal the results a month later. So in the, the rest of that time, they're analyzing it, they're pulling together all their data and so forth. But you can get a pretty good idea of what they're going to say at the end of that week just by looking at Google Trends. Yeah. Uh, so I looked at this past data. Uh, other researchers have found that you can predict how much money a movie's going to make on the opening weekend. You can predict presidential approval ratings. You can predict um, which cities are going to have the next flu outbreak faster than the CDC could do it. Um, so all of this has really happened in the last two years, the, the, literally the past 24 months. And, and is that 
because of the sort of ubiquitous use of search, you know, to find anything, I mean, and that it's no longer, you know, something that, that a sort of self-selecting group might use? Yeah, it's, it, there is a, uh, there are two, you hit the nail on the head, there's two aspects here. One is, um, you know, if, if it's going to be a self-selecting group, at least it should be a large group, yeah. right? Right. Um, but secondly, even if it is self-selecting, that's not necessarily a bad thing, statistically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, in some cases, if you're trying to do economic trends for the economy, um, if you're trying to trend out those sorts of things and forecast what people are planning on doing, uh, I'm not sure you want a representative sample of the whole population. You probably want a biased sample toward people that are more likely to have economic influence. And other studies have shown that people who are regular users of the Internet actually are in the higher income brackets, more likely. Uh, so right. if you want to get a, a lead on those sorts of things, it's, you're better off doing that. In fact, I talk about some studies along those lines. If you want to figure out, if you want to forecast uh, technology adoption rates, let's say, mm-hmm. and you don't, you could randomly sample the population, but you'd be better off sampling the more popular people, people with the most friend connections on Facebook, for example. Now, 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 tell me a little bit um, about some of the you, you mentioned uh, Google Trends. What are what are some of the other sort of inexpensive tools that people might want to measure? Because I mean, or, or even you know, I mean, if I'm somebody who says, well, yeah, I'm on Facebook and I'm you know somewhat active on Facebook, but I, I don't know how to measure a trend using, say, Facebook. I mean, are, are there some kind of quick quick uh, how tos that you can uh, share? Well. Not as quick a how-to okay. as Google Trends. That's okay. a that's a real entry-level method I talk about in the book. Mm-hmm. But the next level up, which requires a little bit more technical background, mm-hmm. but you know it's background that a lot of IT people have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not some exclusive small group. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook and Twitter, uh, as well as Google and eBay and Amazon give away APIs, application program mm-hmm. right, interfaces. Sure. Right. And these allow other developers to develop tools uh, uh, by uh, giving them direct access to uh, certain data, not all their data, but right. certain data. Um, this creates a kind of ecology around that tool. So, for example, eBay gives away these APIs. Now, uh, there's a lot of reasons you might want to track activity on eBay. It's the second largest retailer on the planet after Walmart if you rank them by total sales, mm-hmm. not their revenue. Their revenue is just the fees as opposed to yeah, the total. Right, right. So you have to account for it differently. But yeah. uh, there's more transactions on eBay every day than there are on the NASDAQ and New York Stock Exchange right. combined. So somebody buys a $10,000 car, eBay only realizes you know $200 or something. Yeah, exactly. Right. Now, what if you track all the car sales on eBay? Well, mm-hmm. you can do this with uh, with uh, uh, APIs that, a- that eBay provides. And some uh, services out there have already used these APIs to develop sort of an eBay ecology, like uh, Teradata uh, was, I'm sorry, Terapeak is mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. that uh, where if you're selling on eBay, uh, that's one of the services you can go out and get and you can do all this analysis about, you know, should you have a minimum bid mm-hmm. and should you pay extra for more images or something? Hmm. Uh, you could do all this analysis to see if you're better off. Well, I assume you could also say you know you you could also potentially start recognizing something that's a hot mover. 
This halftime break is brought to you by Constant Contact. Constant Contact helps small businesses and nonprofits build great customer relationships with email marketing, event marketing, and online surveys. Visit them today at constantcontact.com and sign up for your free 60-day trial. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you start putting this together into some clever ways, you can start making some really bigger picture economic trend forecast. Because one of the things that I've noticed that's happened so far is that um, all of the analysis that people have done with APIs Mm -hmm. have tended to be very microscopic. They tend to focus on very narrow service and product areas like, uh, well, can I make more money in this particular product? I think most businesses, even small businesses, would probably benefit from stepping back one or two levels and trying to see the shape of the forest for the trees here and say, what are the bigger trends Mm -hmm. that that are happening here that I can exploit? Um, Not just whether or not I should, you know, have a a minimum reserve or a a starting bid stated on my product here. Should I, or should I make it a buy it now button or something like this? Yeah, those are handy tactical questions to be able to answer. But should we use this data to see bigger trends? Uh, So I talk about data mining Twitter. Twitter has APIs. And there's been a lot of research with tweets where people have shown that the tweet volumes regarding a movie correlate very Mm -hmm. well with how much money the movie's going to make on a weekend. Now, there's about 100 million tweets every day. It, It varies a lot from day to day, but it's about 100 million. And 19% of them mention a brand. Now, if you have, if some company has a halfway recognizable brand where there's some chance that most people might remember it or Mm -hmm. even a small percentage of people might remember it, that means of those 19 million tweets a day that mention a brand, you probably have, you might have a few hundred a day that mention your brand. Right. Or at least your industry, if not your brand, right? right? Or your and competitors. So you want to find out what's going on about your competitors, right. or maybe, um, maybe uh, you're a really small business, and uh, people probably wouldn't mention you very often, mm-hmm. uh, often enough to get some, you know, statistical volumes here that you can use. But maybe you're in support of some other industry. Maybe you do something in the travel industry, and you want to see how often people are tweeting about travel. Maybe you're, you want to see how often people are searching on certain destinations. Uh, travel has been one of the areas that have shown a very strong correlation. People now, when they're planning on traveling, the first thing they do is Internet research. Yeah. And so they're leaving behind their, their footprints of increased volumes of searches on travel-related terms. So uh, there's lots of areas that people sat down and thought about it. There's all sorts of ways that... Customers, vendors, even regulators, um, governments, uh, suppliers, uh, uh, competitors all leave their digital traces that you can mine. Are, are you, uh, to your knowledge, are, are there any uh, um, folks that do, uh, do an, you know, analyzing stocks <laughs> for a living that are tapping into this data? Well, I do talk about that, yeah. and there's some evidence that people are already doing this. Yeah. Because uh, uh, it appears to be the case that the early arbitrage opportunities that existed have now uh, mostly evaporated, mm-hmm. which means, which is an indicator that somebody started doing this yeah. already. 
Uh, I talk about the research of Johann Bullen from the University of Indiana, and he was the one that tracked millions of tweets a day by, and he analyzed them by looking for phrases and words that are related to different emotions. Mm. And they combine this in a, what's called a sentiment index. Right, right, right. And he found out that sentiments related to anxiety were particularly good indicators of market volatility. So there's lots of emotions we have, happiness, sadness, all sorts of things, but anxiety in particular was a good indicator of market drops. Mm-hmm. So, and he was, he had some data that showed that he was outperforming things like three day averages, other common, you yeah. know, Dow Jones kind of estimating methods. Um, so, uh, but he's indicated in his uh, interviews that he believes that the other people are already beginning to exploit this. Well, so from a researcher's standpoint, and doing traditional research, I mean, w- would you say that this is just simply a large and diverse real-time data set? <laughs> I mean, is that a good way to look yeah, at this it? Is, <laughs> this is like having something like a Dow Jones index, yeah. something you could watch every minute of the day mm-hmm. on something like the buzz about your industry. Right. What if you could see... Uh, they actually have this term, a PN ratio, positive to negative comment ratio. Right. They use this for tracking tweets. Um, if you could track your PN ratio about a particular product, if you're a big firm, you could track it on a particular product. But if, if you're a smaller firm, you might track it for the whole industry or something. Mm-hmm. And you'd see that PN ratio going up and down. And maybe you would find that that PN ratio eventually correlates with consumer spending. Uh, something about the attitudes toward that industry have some bearing on uh, whether or not people eventually spend money there. Well, I I know I have seen examples of of people that have said, you know, they've done this type of measurement and seen that that mostly – people were negative about a product category. There was something about an entire product category, like, I don't know, let's pick on one rental cars (laughs) Uh, that, that, you know, the, the sentiment was mostly negative and and it was really a way to say, Hey, look, here's an opportunity to create a product or an innovation because it sure seems like everybody hates what they're, you know, stuck with now. Yeah, sure. That's, and that's a a real, you know, sort of a a special case anecdotal situation where someone's watching the pattern and they say, you know, now it's time to, right. I see a pattern and it's time to act. But what if, what about that pattern could you use that was real time right. that might, you might be able to exploit? For example, suppose you engage in this and uh, you deci- decide to invest a little bit of money developing a product to exploit some need that mm-hmm. you've discovered on Twitter. Should you have some kind of decision rule in place such that if all of a sudden you saw a big drop in this indicator, uh, should you abort? Mm-hmm. You know what? What should be the real time thing going? Think of it as a bunch of gauges on on a uh, control panel for a, right. an aircraft, right? If you saw some of those gauges going outside of certain bounds, you would get worried and you take some action. And that's the way we should think about these things. Now these are gauges that normally were not visible to us at all. And now we can see them for the first time. So part of it has to do with how do we change our decision-making processes in businesses mm-hmm. when we actually have real-time dashboards like this. Yeah. Now, a lot of businesses, small, medium, and large, think do have dashboards, right? right? But I've challenged people on the use of that term because usually dashboards are a mostly internal-looking tool. <laughs> Most people have rear-view rear mirrors, huh? 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I go farther than the rearview mirror. It's not just rearview mirror. It's driving the car by keeping your head under the hood yeah, yeah. and watching the engine work. Yeah. Um, so that's what dashboards are typically doing. You're watching the engine work. It's all internal-looking data. Um, even if it's not rear view, but things that are happening now, it's things that are happening now internally to your organization. Yeah. Where do you see the big storm fronts on the horizon? Right. Where do those show up in your data internally? Because no matter how big a company might be, the internet the internet database is much bigger than their database. Well, I would think that there are services and, and organizations that are are taking advantage of this and, and you know have kind of figured the whole API game out and they're providing these these kinds of custom dashboards for organizations, are they? Well, they're relatively few. Yeah. Okay. Um, I my key point in the book is that a lot of the research showing that this is possible is really within two years old, mm-hmm. less mm-hmm. than two years old, and uh, almost all business intelligence, predictive analytics, and dashboards, those sorts of terms your listeners would be familiar with, mm-hmm. um, those are all these things that are not yet exploiting this. Mm-hmm. There are some heavy hitter tools that came out mid the mid part of last year. Uh, SAS, uh, SAS, some of your reader, uh, mm-hmm. listeners might know that large statistics package firm mm-hmm. uh, in North Carolina. Uh, they've come out with a social network analytics tool and a couple of other related tools for analyzing things like text from tweets and so forth. Mm. But this is a relatively recent tool. They're going, they may have some competitors yeah. uh, appear here soon, and people have developed their own home-brewed uh, solutions to these things. But it's even still a vastly underutilized resource. Most people haven't thought about how to use this. And it's really the next big thing do, on, in business. Do, do you have on, on your site for the for uh, uh, Pulse, do you have some uh, examples of spreadsheets and, and tools and things of that nature or resources, or is there some place that, that people maybe can, um, can learn uh, in addition to the book? Yeah, actually, I mentioned a few play, a few times in the book. I, mm-hmm. I guess you, you must have read some references mm-hmm. uh, in the book to that. But um, I do offer some examples of some of the procedure, kind of do-it-yourself right. procedures, yeah. and I allow people to download download those as spreadsheets. It's not about the programming here so much; it's yeah. about the statistics. How do you make inferences about right. these things? Right, right. And I try to keep it simple by you know just doing the the heavy work in the spreadsheets for you. And just as someone who is familiar with that area could do a lot with it too. Mm-hmm. So, but it's not a prerequisite. Right. Uh, in a couple of weeks, though, we're, we're going to have another tool up on this on the website, and that is you're going to be able to go in and type in a term that you think might correlate with something interesting in Google Trends. Right. Mm-hmm. So you type mm-hmm. in the word coupons, mm-hmm. let's say, and you want to see how the traffic on that correlates to some economic indicator. And we'll have a list of economic indicators that you can choose from. Mm-hmm say the CPI or the unemployment rate or the, uh, the Federal Reserve Bank's uh, consumer debt uh, estimates, et cetera, you can pick one of those and it'll uh, compute the correlation between the frequency of search on that term and this economic indicator you chose. Mm. And uh, people can just try different things and we'll keep track of the best ones. Uh, sort of a crowdsourcing approach to finding interesting models. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, de- definitely. Let me know when that's uh, that's available. I want to. I'd love to point that out to folks. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. We'll keep you yeah. posted. Well, Doug, we have uh, come to the, the, the end of our allotted time. I, I, it's fascinating stuff and certainly um, a, an area that is growing rapidly. But I think there's, there's as you've pointed out, I think there's lots of opportunities still for people to jump in and, and, and use this as a, a competitive to their competitive advantage. Well, that's a whole new world, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right. Well, thanks so much, and uh, I look forward to seeing that tool when you get it done, and I appreciate you taking the time today. You got Thanks a lot.